You are now listening to the Faith Community Bible Church Podcast. It's our prayer that this message is not only a blessing to you, but to your entire family. Join us as we aim to make Christ known in our community by caring for the community. God bless. Psalm 1. Psalms 1. (laughs) When you have it, won't you say, I got it. If you need more time, say, hold up. Psalm 1, I'm reading from the English Standard. Here's what he says. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous. But the way of the wicked will perish. That is Psalms 1 um, in its entirety. May God add a blessing to the readers, hearers, and the doers of his word. You may grab your seats this morning. Looking at for some, this is a very familiar passage of Scripture. Psalm 1, I want to look at this psalm today preaching from a subject, the blessing of growth. The blessing of growth equipped to maturity. The blessing of growth equipped to maturity. On September 13th of 1985, Nintendo Entertainment Systems released what is known today as one of the top five most popular, most top five most selling video games of all time. We know that to be Super Mario Brothers. This game depicts a plumber by the name of Mario, unless you play on two player, his brother Luigi. It depicts these plumbers um, who starts off in the game small, but through intense gameplay, he tries really to uh, avoid things that'll take his life while he's small with no protection. As he continues to go through life, he has several opportunities that's placed in front of him to grow. But in order to do so, he has to jump up, hit the question mark, And sometimes something may grow, uh, something may come out to help him grow, or something may come out to help him to be richer with a coin. As he continues to go through uh, this life, and while he's small, he tries to avoid those different things that'll take his life. But as he continues to go through, he has several opportunities to grow, and one of which is a mushroom. 
Once he jumps up and grabs it, he finds himself bigger than what he actually was. Interesting thing is, while he's bigger, even when the elements of the world try to grab him, while he's bigger, it doesn't take his life. It doesn't um, necessarily discourage him. But what happens is he begins to blink and he goes back small. While he hits the enemy, while the elements of life hits him, it makes him smaller again, but he would eventually get another opportunity to get big, to mature again by grabbing another mushroom. If you've ever played Mario before, you would understand really um, that there, um, um, Super Mario is not short of growth opportunities. But the interesting thing about Super Mario is that while he was big, mature, with the mushroom, he gets another opportunity, not only to be big, but has an opportunity to be equipped with something more to help him push past the elements of the world. He grabs hold of what we call a fire flower, which not only changes his clothes, but also um, allows him to throw fire towards his enemy that will push them out of his way. Here's the thing. Even with the fire going at him, at his enemies, his enemies still could get a hold of him, making him small again. But even, that, even in that, the enemy still don't take his life. He gets another opportunity to grab a mushroom to become big again. And if he, as he continues to go through the world, as he has his mushroom, he gets another opportunity to have a fire flower. And then if we continue on, Super Mario gets upgrades. He gets upgrades. What happens is, right, in a different game, in the Super Nintendo, right, um, he gets his mushrooms, he gets his fire flower, but then he gets something called a feather. This feather then works in his life, allowing, giving him a cape, allowing him to fly past those things that were designed to take him out. What's interesting is that even, right, with all of those different power-ups that he has, he has something called a star. The star that he has, right, gives him somewhere around 10 or 12 seconds to even run into the enemies, making him invincible, right? Because when he hits the enemies with the star, right, his maturity goes nowhere. He doesn't get, he doesn't get small, but he continues to push past all that's in front of him. Through it all, Mario could still defeat his enemies and get through a world to obtain victory. There's a lot for us to learn about Super Mario and how it affects us as followers of Jesus. Like Mario, going through this world, the attacks are real. 
The attacks are real. Yeah, we may be small, but growth can still happen over and over and over again. Yeah, you might experience something that may knock the wind out of you. You may experience something that may make you small, even though you know you were big. But as we grow, yeah, we may get knocked down. But here's the thing, right? You will get an opportunity to get back up again. Why? Because the fire of God, the Holy Spirit will surround you in the midst of it all. But either way, you have what you need, believer, to live spiritually big, to live spiritually mature. In this life, hear this, in this life, you don't have to worry. You don't have to fret. Why? Because you are blessed. You are blessed. I'm not, when I'm talking about blessed, I ain't talking about money in the bank, shorty, what you drink. When I'm talking about blessed, I ain't talking about, right, uh, uh, I ain't talking about your car. I ain't talking about your house. Is that a blessing? It absolutely is, but we have a different type of blessing. That's the blood bought that we tend to push past. I'm not talking about materials. I'm talking about uh, being blessed with the power of God being in operation in your life. Say, like, I don't need no mushrooms. I don't need no fire flower. You can keep your feather because as long as I got King Jesus, that's all the power that I need, right? Jesus is my mushroom when everything else is sucking the life out of me. Jesus is my fire flower that causes me to push past the things. Jesus is the hero, so I don't need no cape. Hear this. You're blessed. And as a blessed person, hear this. God has equipped you to be and live spiritually mature. That's the main point today. That's what I want you to grab here as blessed people. God has equipped us not only to be spiritually mature, but to live spiritually mature as blessed people. God has equipped us to be and live spiritually mature. Now, here's the thing. Spiritual maturity is achieved through becoming more like Jesus. After salvation, y'all, every Believer begins the process of spiritual growth with the intent to become big. We, we, we come to know the Lord with the intent to be bigger, more mature. Like who comes to the Lord and expects to stay where you are? You know anything that's sitting in one spot too long start to stink? After salvation, every believer begins the process of spiritual growth with the intent to become spiritually mature. And according to the Apostle Paul, y'all, it's an ongoing process that will never end in this life. It requires a radical, a radical reordering of our priorities, changing over from self to uh, pleasing self to pleasing God and learning not only to please him, but to obey him. The key to maturity, the key to spiritual maturity is consistency. It's perseverance in doing those things that we know will bring us closer to God. No matter how hard we may work on those things, however, none of this is possible hear this, without the fire flower. It's not possible without the Spirit of God at work within us. As blessed people, God has equipped us to be and to live spiritually mature. Now, for some reason, for some of us, 
We may see spiritual maturity as something that's elusive, something that's hard to grasp. We may see spiritual maturity as this unattainable feat or even uh, seeing spiritual maturity as something hard to maintain. But the question is, how can we be and live spiritually mature? Here in our text today, Psalms 1 does well at giving us a glimpse in living and being spiritually mature. This psalm can really be seen in many ways as a psalm that does well at introducing to us key themes of all of Scripture. Because here in this text, we see described two classes of mankind, the righteous and the wicked, or the godly and the godless. Shows us here um, um, two classes of mankind. Think about it. A psalm really is just a song to the Lord. It's really pouring, these psalmists is really pouring their heart out to their God. And if you think about it, right, there's so many there, right, that we just love. Right? One of my favorites, I got it tattooed on my arm, Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. There's many. How about Psalm 133? Oh, how sweet it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. Even one of my favorites. Psalm 121, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills from which cometh my help. All of my help cometh from the Lord. How about Psalm 90? He that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high God shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. How about Psalm 27? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Even when my enemies are camped around me, right? They, they stumble and they fall. Psalms is full of this rich heart posture about the Lord. And Psalms 1 is no different because he opens this and he says four words that draws our attention. Blessed is the man. Now, uh, this ain't no men's conference. We in corporate worship. This word man there can be translated mankind or human being. So, ladies, we ain't leaving you out. Right? You blessed too. <laughs> he uses this word, blessed is the man, talking about human beings. So blessed are human beings. See, many times, y'all, we allow our feelings, the world of what we deem to be good to define what it really means to be blessed. But, but, but can we just redeem really what it means to be blessed and just wrap our minds around the reality that blessed is a Christian word, to be blessed is a spiritual word. So if you're talking to somebody who don't know the Lord, don't trust the Lord, and you ask them how they doing, they say, I'm blessed, they're a lie. It's a Christian word. They just doing all right. Because <laughs> if you're living without the Lord, you ain't blessed. You, you just breathing to death. Right? It, to, 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 to be blessed is a spiritual word. It's a biblical word, and it's been hijacked by our culture. 
People, uh, people may talk about blessings in their lives, but the non-believer has no idea of what a real blessing is because only the child of God truly knows what it means to be blessed. Why? Because if you are a child of God, you are ultimately blessed because you know God. You know God. See, when we think blessing, we tend to only think materialistically. But let me ask you a question. You never get another thing, but you still consider yourself blessed. There's something you wanted for Christmas, kids. You ain't get it. Do you still consider yourself blessed? Some people think of blessed as a spiritual term for good fortune, like when we receive something good or the desired outcome or exceptional comfort. But that's not what the scripture was meaning when he uses this word blessed. See, the Bible measures blessedness differently from how people of the world measure it. Let me, let me show you. James. James chapter 1 verse 12, he says, blessed is the one Here it is. It's about to mess you up. He says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. (laughs) What you mean to tell me that, 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 that I'm blessed if I suffer and persevere? Because wait a minute, they didn't tell me that at the altar when I gave my life to the Lord. Let's not focus so much on what they told you. Let's focus on what he said. Right? Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him, to those who rest in God. He grants this inner state of joy that's unaffected by external trials. This, this, are you telling me that if I'm blessed because I persevere under trial, then I receive a crown of life. Well, what is this crown of life? It's this never-ending, victorious life in the world to come where all trials will end. See, in our experience, y'all, life is often a burden and a weariness, a care. If, if it be a crown, uh, if life was to give us a crown, it's a crown of thorns. But... Those of us who belong to the Lord, y'all, we going up yonder. And if, and if we know that we are going up yonder, y'all, the reward that we seek, this crown of life is heaven. And heaven will be simply be the fact of living eternally with God. This, this marvelous blessing we experience now are minor compared to the benefits that God has stored up for his people in his eternal kingdom. Understand this, we're blessed and God has given us himself. Like that's the, like let me tell you this, how can we use this word equipped the way we use it? Because you are equipped. Everything you need, you have. Well, how do I know it? Because God gave you him. He gave, you have him. Maybe, maybe you can't quote scripture like your neighbor. Maybe, right, your prayer life is a little shaky, right? Maybe you're still trying to develop different rhythms in your life to grow in the gospel. God ain't leaving you because you don't talk to him as much as you should. He's beckoning you to talk to him more, right? Our God is merciful. He's gracious. He's forgiving, right? And he wants to be with you. Therefore, he is breathing on you to get to know him more. 
We're blessed. He has given us himself, equipped us to be and to live spiritually mature. And as blessed people, God has equipped us to be and live spiritually mature. Is spiritual maturity, is, is spiritual maturity unattainable? Is spiritual maturity maintainable? God, what we, you know, what God has done in our lives to equip us to live and be spiritually mature is something that we don't want to keep overlooking. The question, well, okay, well, what has God done then in my life to equip me to live and be spiritually mature? Well, the text here shows us four ways that God has equipped us, that God equips us to live and be spiritually mature as a blessed people to be and live spiritually mature shows us four things. Number one, to live and be spiritually mature, number one, God has separated us from the wicked. He separated us from the wicked. Now, we, now that gets interesting. But God has separated us from the wicked. But as soon as he separates us from it, we find other wicked people to hang around. God is saying, no, I've equipped you, right, to be spiritually mature. I've called you to come from among them. You ought to be different. You ought to walk different. You ought to talk different. Your viewpoint ought to be different. We, he, he separates us from the wicked. He separates us from worldliness. Watch what he says in the text. It's right there in the text, verse 1. Blesses the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Right? When he says here, blessed is the man who walks, this, this word walk brings us to our English word behavior, hang out, who you kick it with, your character. So blessed is the man who don't hang out with wicked people. Blessed is the one who ain't being distracted by foolishness. Blessed is the man who's able to know that God has separated you from the wickedness of this world. He separated you from the wicked. See, the Christian life here, he compares to a walk. And it begins with this step of faith and trust in Christ. And it grows, really, as we take further steps of faith and obedience to the Word of God. Walking involves progress. And Christians, followers of Jesus, should make progress, how? In applying Scripture to our daily life. In order for us to apply, apply Scripture to our daily life, we have to look at Scripture daily. It, it, do you know it's possible for a believer to walk in darkness? It's possible for a believer to walk outside of the will of God. See, there's a thin line between what we want and what God wants for us. And what we tend to do is we want what we want so bad that we begin to lie to ourselves and tell us God wants us to have it or God wants us to do it. So not taking responsibility of that just being something that we want. So then when it don't happen, the first person we blame is God and not us. Living lives taking, uh -uh, what we do is we suffer, living lives suffering from self-inflicted gunshot wounds and blaming God. No, 
We're going to be separated from the wicked. That means not walking in darkness. Come here, 1 John 1. This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you, God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and we are not practicing the truth. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. He separates us from wickedness. See, the people God blesses, we ought to be careful in our walk as mature believers. Though we are in the world, we are not of the world. And to be spiritually mature, to live spiritually mature, to maintain spiritual maturity, y'all, we cannot continue to do the things that God hates and expect for him to continue to waste his grace on us. When you are with God, you have a different walk. When you are with God, you have a different pep in your step. When you are with God, you speak a different language. When you are with God, you want to hang around different folks. Now, let me mash pause here. Because when we say, right, that you are separated from the wicked, we are not saying neither is the text implying that you don't need to be around unbelievers because if we don't be around unbelievers, how else can we evangelize unbelievers? What he's saying is, when he's saying we're separated from the wicked here, what he's saying is don't take their counsel. Don't behave like them. You are to be different, right? He says, bless is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Believers, we don't seek advice or counsel from those who don't know God. I'm going to let that marinate. Facebook talking about what's on your mind, and you in groups asking for advice. Well, me and my spouse been going through it for years. How about you get out of that marriage group and go to the Scriptures? We have to avoid the counsel of those who don't know God. See, see, because when you follow the counsel of people who don't know God, you get responses like this, girl, follow your heart. Or, bruh, man, just do what you feel, dog. No, we don't follow our heart because Ezekiel 36 tells us that it's something wrong with the heart that we have and God wants to give you a new one, right? We don't follow our feelings because our feelings could deceive us. Now, now, let me be clear here. I'm not saying ignore your feelings. I'm saying don't follow them, right? Feelings, we said it before, right? Um, That's going to be my next tattoo in Spanish, right? Feelings are a great thermostat but a bad compass. Right? Our feelings do great at telling us where we are, but as followers of Jesus, we're not led by our feelings. We're led by the Spirit. Right? Hear this. We don't do what we feel because our feelings can deceive us, but we always follow the Lord because he will never let us down. As followers of Jesus, y'all, we must start listening to the counsel, the advice, the, 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 the plans of the Lord. We must stop listening to the counsel of the ungodly, y'all, because if we continue to listen to, take advice from, and follow the plans of the ungodly, we're going to wake up one morning and find ourselves in bed with them. 
You can only lay in the bed with dogs for so long before you can wake up with fleas. People who walk in the counsel of the ungodly listen to worldly advice and make plans with the wicked and willfully participate in the sinner's way of life. But I love, right, uh, in in Romans 8, y'all remember, right, when we went through Romans 8, right? Romans 8, specifically verses 5 through 7, does a great job at describing to us that uh, people who live according to the flesh and have their minds set on um, the, the, the desires of the flesh, and he makes a contrast, Paul makes a contrast, really, in Romans 8, saying those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is not only life, but it's also peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Why? Because it's wicked. God calls his children to choose the way of righteousness, to be set apart, to be holy. He calls us out of darkness into his marvelous light. God equips us for maturity by separating us from the wicked, right? As blessed people, God has equipped us to be and live spiritually mature. Um, how, does, how does he do it? Number one, by separating us from the wicked. But number two, he does something else that the text shows us. Not only does he separate us from the wicked, number one, but number two, he saturates us with his word. Not only does he separate us from the wicked, but he saturates us with his word. Let me ask you, believer, how much do you value the word of God? How important is the word of God to your life? How do you, how do you show it? We were in the office this week, and uh, I go down the staff hallway, the quietest hallway in the building. Because they work. And as soon as I walk through the door, I smell something amazing. And I said, Ranisha, that's you? She said, yeah. I said, hey, that smells amazing. She said, yeah, I got it from so-and-so. It's here. Right? She was saturated with it. And as soon as you walk past her office, you smell it. What's interesting is, as followers of Jesus, the Word of God ought to be the same way in our life. Where I didn't even have to get all the way to her office to know what she was saturated with. It was just because I was in her vicinity. Just because, Pastor Darren, we were close to her. We know what she smelled like. We know what she'd been around. And then it led us to say, hey, what is that fragrance? Do you know that if you are saturated with the word, right, you ain't even got to know who it is. You just know that something in this room is different. Something in this room is powerful. Something in this room is about to change my life. And I ain't moving until I know what it is. Saturated with the word. God has equipped you for spiritual maturity, not just by giving you his word, but saturating you with it. What I'm saying here is that the more you walk with him and not the ungodly, right, he changes your taste buds. The more you spend time with God, he changes your desires. He gives you new desires. How? How does he do it? Trick question. 
It's in the text. Watch what he says in verse 2. I love this. He says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Now, when he says his delight, he's still talking about those who blessed. He's still there, right? If you are blessed, meaning that if you are in relationship with God, you delight in, you take joy in, you celebrate the fact that God's word is in your life. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law, his word, he meditates day and night. Y'all listen, right? I I ain't going to tell too many stories, but I I, I need y'all to grab this meditate day and night. I remember the first meal that Tracy cooked for me. Now, here's the thing. She said when she cooked that meal, she ain't want me, but everybody know Pastor Baker. You get a man how? Everybody know. (laughs) What she did, (laughs) what she did, she made made a steak. Ah, Shaba, right? She made a steak with some bow-tied noodles. Pastor Baker, she had me eating carrots. Right? And I remember eating this steak, and I was like, man, I wouldn't even eat steak before. But that one, Johnny, was fire. It wasn't something like a steak, Johnny. It was a steak. And, what, and I said... This, this is good. What did you do? She said, I can't give you all my family secrets because you ain't in the family, so I married and got the secrets. <laughs> Pastor Darren, I got the secrets. <laughs> but what she said to me was that to get it tender, you had to season it and let it marinate. She knew the day before that she was going to cook the steak So the day before, she put it on this deal, and she seasoned it and let it marinate so that when she grilled it and we cut into it, it was tasty. Right? Do you know, believer, the Word of God ought to be the same way in your life. Right, what you you knew yesterday, right, that you that you potentially was gonna have it tomorrow. So what I want to do is I want to marinate today oh, to prepare for my tomorrow. Yeah, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. And since I know who holds tomorrow, I'm just gonna season now. I just wanna marinate now. I wanna meditate on this word now, so that when this world takes a bite of me, what they gonna taste is knowing that I've been saturated in the word that I've been feasting with the old taste and see that the Lord is good. Saturating in the word, he says, he says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. Believer, we got to take joy. We should find great satisfaction in not only following but adhering to the teachings and the commands of Scripture. For the blood-bought, y'all, there should be a deep commitment to the principles of God. So much so, we meditate or marinate on them. One of the greatest passages of Scripture that reminds us of the importance of being saturated in the Word, might will, is Psalm 119. Now, it's interesting to me that the longest passage of Scripture 
to Cassandra. It's interesting that the longest passage of Scripture is about the importance of being saturated with Scripture. The longest passage of Scripture is about the importance of being saturated with Scripture. Can I read a little bit? Here it is. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also does no wrong, but walks in his ways. You've commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame. Having my eyes fixed on all your commandments, I will praise you with an upright heart. When I learn your righteous rules, I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word with my whole heart. I will seek you. Let me not wander from your commands. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth in the way of your testimonies. I delight as much as in all riches, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. God, so gracious, so merciful, so faithful God, equips us for maturity by saturating us, marinating us, allowing us to meditate on his word. Day and night, listen, blessed people, God has equipped us to be and live spiritually mature. Not just by separating us from the wicked. Not just by saturating us with his word, but here's number three. By situating us by water. We're situated by water. You know... Spiritual maturity is not something that God expects for you to maintain on your own. Left up to our own devices, there's no way that we can be separated from the wicked because we're too enticed by wickedness. There's no way left up to our own devices that we can really saturate ourselves with the word of God because most of us are easily distracted. How then? Is our spiritual maturity maintained? It's because we are situated by water. Watch this, verse 3. I love this. He says, he shall be like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and all that he does he prospers. <laughs> Situated by water, what, what does that have to do with us? That's the psalmist's way of bringing the Holy Spirit into the life of a blessed man, right? God has given, he has equipped us with his spirit to drink from. Think about it, right? Scripture talks about drinking from a well that never runs dry. 
right? John talks about how Jesus is saying, I'm going away to prepare a place for you, but I'm not leaving you alone. I'm leaving you a comforter. Guess who that was? It was the Spirit of God, right? Let me, let me help you see, right, that, that being situated by water or being like a tree planted by streams of water is really the Spirit of God. Here's what John 7 says. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, here it is, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about, uh uh-oh, here it is, the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet. He equipped us to be, to live, to maintain our spiritual maturity by making sure that he doesn't leave us with an abandoned heart, but one that's full of the person and work of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't expect you to do it on your own. He left you a comforter. He he said in his word that the Spirit of God will bring things to your remembrance. Y'all, let me tell you, right, I'm a forgetful guy. My recall is bad, but at the right time, in the nick of time, Coach Dockett, the Lord, by his spirit, begins to remind me of what the Lord has said about me. God will work through all of these different things in our lives to remind us of the promises that he made to us. All because we are planted. We we, we, we be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Y'all, I remember as a kid watching the movie Karate Kid. I ain't talking about the one with Will Smith's son. Keep my wife's name. No. (laughs) The original Karate Kid with Daniel's son and Mr. Miyagi, right? Most people, most people think of the movie and think about the wax on, wax off. But for me, uh, but BJ, I wasn't the cool one, so I, wax on, wax off meant nothing to me. The part of the movie that sticks out to me the most was this bonsai tree. When he had to go get the bonsai tree, it was down on the side of this mountain. And Daniel's son, was, was, he was a little afraid to get the bonsai tree. Because he had to climb down a little bit, and when he went down, the bonsai tree was there, but right below it was water. He initially, when he tried to get it, Lanisha, he tried to pull the bonsai tree, but he couldn't pull it because the roots were strong. Why was the root strong? Because this bonsai tree was constantly getting nourishment. This bonsai tree, the roots had become so strong that in order to really detach it, he had to cut it, right? It's the same way for the life of the blood bought, right? God is equipping you to be spiritually mature by planting you by the rivers of water, right? Can't nobody cut you. They can't pull you out because you ought to be rooted so strong by the power of 
of the Holy Spirit that nothing, come on, come on, Romans 8, neither life nor death nor principalities nor things present nor things to come, right? Nothing ought to be able to separate us from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why? Because I'm like a tree planted by the rivers of water. He gives us his spirit. He gives us his spirit. I remember, right, I told y'all before, right, I've never bought my wife roses in the 19 years. I'll get an edible arrangement, but no roses. Somebody, she spoke at some women's thing, and they gift to her was this plant. She came in with this plant, Lady Melinda. I said, babe, what you doing with that? Oh, they gave me this gift, and she loved it. She was taking care of it. I mean, it's still alive-ish today. <laughs> and it's interesting because she'll come in and she'll grab this plant and she'll put it under the faucet and she'll water it. But then I realized something one day. She came in, she put it under water, but she opened the kitchen blinds. We never opened the kitchen blinds. I said, well, why you open the blinds? I mean, you normally always complain and don't want the people behind the house to see in the house. She said, well, she said, I was talking to a friend, and they said, not only do this plant need water, but it also needs sunlight. So the rays from the sun works in conjunction with the water to help give life to this plant. So when he says you shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, yeah, the Spirit of God is there, but the rays from the sun is coming down, really allowing us to get nutrients when everything around us seems to be failing, when everything else seems to be sucking. A lot of you, God is just saying, listen, uh, what I need you to do is just open the blinds. Just open the blinds, right? This world... This world is a desert that can never satisfy a dedicated believer. We must send our spiritual roots deep down into the things of Christ and draw upon it spiritual water of life. Let me tell you, right, God equips us by giving us his spirit. He, he situates us by water. Let me tell you, I love what he says here in this text. Right? Because he says, he says you should be like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season. Listen, there's no way that you could be situated, engulfed with the power of the Spirit, with the rays of the sun beaming down on you, and you not produce godly fruit. There's no way, right? Galatians 5 talks about that, right? He begins in verse 5, he says, right, the deeds of the flesh are evident, and then he gives this long list, but then, right, uh, Holy Spirit kicks in, right? Paul, Paul grabs a hold, Pastor Baker, of his shout moment, and he says, but <laughs> the Spirit 
But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Against such things, there's no law. What he's saying is that when the Spirit of God is in operation in your life, or come here, David, when you are situated by streams of water, you ought to, you ought to be, be producing some godly fruit. Now, he talks about, notice he did not say in this text, right, that he produces perfect fruit. This has got to be some mature fruit at the right time. See, because God saved us today and we all of a sudden want to be in perfect love tomorrow. No, it says in its season, right? He says that yields fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he says he prospers. Hear this. God has equipped us with what we need to be spiritually mature. He's given it to us. He's given, it, he's given us his spirit, situating us by his word as blessed people. God has equipped us to be and live spiritually mature. Y'all hear this? I'm, I'm almost done. Hear this. We're blessed. Just let that sit there for a minute. We blessed. You may not have all the money you want, but you blessed, believer. You may not be driving the best car, but you're blessed. You may be walking around in your own life, holding on to stuff that God has forgiven you for a long time ago. But here it is. You are blessed. God has called us. How do I know we're blessed? Because God has called us into relationship with him, and he provided for us everything that we need to do what he needs us to do. He has equipped us for maturity. How did he do it? By separating us from the wicked, by saturating us with his word, by situating us by the water, giving us his spirit, and all of these things working together gives me my final point, and I'm done. Here it is. All of these things works together. Here's number four. Satisfies the Savior. It satisfies the Savior. See, when you're growing in Christ, he's pleased. When you are maturing in Christ, he's satisfied. When you are maturing in Christ, here's your shout. He recognizes you. He says in the last verse, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. God knows you. He recognizes you. He sees you. He desires you. He's not ignoring you. Come here, Psalms. He's inclining his ear to you. He's making himself available to you. He's not leaving you right just as the deer panted for the water brooks. He knows that your soul thirsts for him, right? He's not leaving you abandoned. He's not leaving you by yourself. He's saying, listen, I know the way of my people, right? Because my people know my voice and they follow me. All of this works together. It satisfies the Savior. Watch what he says. He says, I love verse four. He says, the wicked are not so, meaning that they ain't planted by water. They plan about something else that's going to end with a couple of sips. The wicked are not so. They are not planted by water. They are not getting the right nutrients for survival, but they are like chaff, he says, that the wind drives away. Now, let me help you understand chaff. Chaff is like those dust balls that move in the desert in the Clint Eastwood movie. Just 
The wind just blow and it go wherever it want to go, right? That's the wicked, dust balls in the desert. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. But here it is. Here's how it culminates. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. God has given you what you need to be, to live, and to maintain spiritual maturity. Do you know exactly where you are right now? He knows where you are because you're his. He knows, right, that you desire him. He knows everything about you, the numbers, the the hairs on your head is even numbered. He knows it. All he's saying to you, one of my favorite passages, come unto me. All who are weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. He's not looking for perfection. He's looking for obedience. Do you know that whatever the barrier is, is really keeping you from fully giving yourself to him. If that barrier, if that wasn't the barrier, it'll be another one anyway. But he's equipped you to mature. You're blessed. To grow in Jesus. What's keeping you from growing as you should? Is it your schedule? Is it your desire to win? However you define win. Is it your desire to achieve goals that you set for you while ignoring the goals that God set for you? What's your barriers? Acknowledge those. What has God placed in your hand to see you grow into spiritual maturity? One of the easiest things to do in our life is to make excuses. But with the Spirit of God at work in us, y'all, I believe it. We can make some changes. Perfection is not something that we can attain. I'm going to tell you this. might get in trouble for this, but I'm going to say it. Deliver yourself or or be delivered from this idea that God don't want you because you don't read your Bible enough. Be delivered from this idea or this thought that I don't pray like I should, therefore God don't want me. The truth is, he wanted you when you wasn't doing it at all. He wanted you when you wasn't reading at all, when you wasn't praying at all. When you was in your feelings, he still wanted you. When you were in your sin, when you were sinking deep in sin, far from a peaceful shore, he still wanted you. You don't, you don't have to be bogged down by everything you are, you've done wrong or that you're doing wrong, but you can set, be set free by the one who makes all things right. He knows you. He says it. The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. What road are you on? Remember, we said earlier that this passage shows two classes of people. The wicked or the righteous or the godly and the godless. Which one are you? The truth of it all is 
God is holy. He's righteous. And he won't ignore sin. Man sinned against God, therefore our relationship with God is broken. And anything that's broken needs to be fixed. How can it be fixed? Not through our own doing. That's why we got to be delivered from what we do and take rest in what God has already done through Christ Jesus our Lord. It's through the finished work of Christ that our sins are forgiven. It's through the finished work of Christ that we're able to spend eternity with the Father. Well, what do we do with this? We turn from our sin and trust in the power of God to work in our life. Thank you for listening to the Faith Community Bible Church Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by the message on today. To respond to today's message, please go to fcbcstl.com forward slash respond. If you would like to give to support the mission and vision of Faith Community Bible Church, you can go to fcbcstl.com forward slash give. God bless.